Hey, everybody, and welcome to The Messy Table, an ordinary space for real women, imperfect stories, and the God who is always at work in our mess. I'm your host, Jen Jewell, and today you're listening to episode number 41 with my friend, Meryl George. But before we jump in, I just want to remind you that you can subscribe to this podcast for free with one click of a button in all the usual places like iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Then every other Tuesday when a new episode is unleashed into the world, you're already queued up and ready for the good stuff. But regardless of how you listen or how you got here or where you're from or what you're facing at this very moment, we are so completely honored you're here with us. And if you don't already know, The Messy Table is partnered with My Church, Life Church, and our women's ministry called Sisters. But more than one specific church, we are all about the capital C Church, the local and global body of Christ. We're also huge fans of the YouVersion Bible app, which is totally free and offers the greatest story on earth in over 1,100 languages. Guys, we are the most connected generation in history. We can have real face-to-face conversations with people on the other side of the world. And we also have the Bible in our pockets, scriptures that for generations and generations, people have literally died to pass on to us. But the question is, are we leveraging the fact that we're alive at this time in history? Are we digesting this living Word of God that's so easily accessible? Or are we distracted and just too busy? My challenge to all of us this week is to make knowing God a priority, and we can know Him through His Word. Well, as I said, my guest for today is Meryl George. Meryl is married to our church online pastor at Life Church. Church Online being a unique and innovative platform in which to keep sharing this good news of Jesus all over the world. Meryl's also on staff on our campus operations team supporting all Life Church locations. They have three kids, one of which was adopted from India. And Alan and Meryl are just one of those power couples who are pouring out their lives for the sake of the gospel. But that does not mean it's easy. In fact, at times, life seems to be falling apart. In Luke 6, Jesus tells a story of what it's like for someone to lay their foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise, not if, but when, when the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it's well built. Listen, Meryl and Alan have faced more than their fair share of storms, but still their foundation is secure, which is why you absolutely do not want to miss the wisdom in this episode. So grab your coffee, pull up a chair, and join us at the messy table. Well, hey, Meryl. Welcome to The Messy Table. Hi. How are you? So glad you're here today. I'm doing good. I'm just so um, honored to be a part of this today. Yay. Thanks for being willing. Well, first things first, we want to know all about you. So just give us a little introduction and a peek into your world. Well, I am the wife of our church online pastor at Life Church, Alan George. And I also get to work at Life Church. So I work as a project leader for our campus operations, and I get to support the host team specifically. Um, so that's your welcoming team for those people that aren't part of Life Church. So your parking team, your greeting team, usher team, all of those things fall under host team. And I get the opportunity to resource and support them um, as they lead their teams on the campuses. So that's really exciting. Making everyone feel loved. Yes, we create a comfortable environment 
environment so people are open to the truth of God's word. That's our mission on the host team. Um, I am also a mother of three. I've got a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 4-year-old. And I love to cook when it's not required of me. That is very rare nowadays, but when we have company, I love to cook. Great. I am actually free tonight, you know, if you want to cook for me. (laughs) You are welcome. You're always welcome to come over. Um, Love to eat. So we would really categorize ourselves as being foodies. Um, We love to try out different restaurants every week. Um, That's part of our date every week is to try out a new new spot. And I, I love to travel. I love nature and I love to sing. I've been in music um, for the better part of my life, but I've been um, out of that season for quite some time right now. So that's a bit about me. Very cool. Now, don't you also blog about food some? Um, I have started... I'm not the greatest at photography, so I'm trying to work through that piece a little bit of making things look great on camera. But I can assure you the things that I post do taste good. Mm, well, that's all that matters. Yes, that's all that matters right now. So, um, But most of my blog is about adoption. And so we're getting to the place where we're definitely adding a lot more other things that I enjoy on there. Yeah. Love it. Well, we like to joke that Alan's the pastor of the whole world, you know, which is just no big deal at all. (laughs) But I would say that more than most people, you and Alan have kind of a panoramic view of the global church at large, since you're dealing with so many countries and so many diverse backgrounds at one time. Um, How has God opened your perspective to what God's doing in the world at large through that? That's That's a really great question, by the way. I really think for me, I'm just honored that as Life Church, we get to be a small part of what God is doing around the world, especially when it comes through you version and church online. Because mm-hmm. I really believe that God's put us in this place and time to use and steward the resources that He's given us just to reach more people for Christ. And technology ju- is just one of those tools that's available to us. Um, and with more people now than ever engaging in the digital world, it's a tool that really furthers our reach. Now, if you're looking around for answers and hope and connection, you'll notice that people typically go online. And so if we have a presence online, we can meet them where they're at and introduce them to Jesus. So I really think it's huge that we get to do that as part of Life Church. And we've got a ton of volunteers from all over the globe. It's exciting to see everyone partnering together, especially with Church Online and Version. They're mm-hmm. like spread around everywhere. So regardless of their church affiliation and background and where they're coming from, it's really, really neat to just see them working together as one team and one body trying to reach the world for Christ. I think it's really cool that we just get to be a part of what God's doing. Yeah. Amen. Well, Satan's using technology, so we might as well use it too for the glory of God. Absolutely. It's really cool to see how God's moving in so many other countries and other areas of the world and not just sometimes we can get so closed in in just our little world Mm -hmm. and forget there's a whole another world outside of us and there's so many more people out there. Yep, for sure. So you're a working woman, plus a wife and mom and friend and chauffeur, chef, all the extra hats that come with motherhood. So of course you don't do it all. None of us do. But practically speaking, how do you juggle all the things all the time? Do you have any secrets? Oh, man, I don't juggle very well, by the way. Um, (laughs) That's definitely (laughs) not a hobby of mine. Uh, Leave it to the circus for the juggling. And I drop balls all the time. 
But at this point, I'm okay with it. I've just gotten to a place where I can only do what I can do. And so I've just had to kind of deal with that. And uh, being a control freak, because I am a total control freak. Uh, my family will tell you mm. that. It's been really tough to get to that place. And I still struggle sometimes. But um, Me too. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. Control freaks unite all <laughs> over the world. <laughs> um, there are a couple of things that we do just to help our help our family running really every week we do meal prepping on Sundays Um, sometimes when we have to travel we don't do it so there are instances where it doesn't work out perfectly and I I'm still working through being flexible in that area because it throws me for a loop but the majority of weeks we will prep meals and by prepping meals we'll do um, I'll cook two to three dinners like big meals I'll, I'll put it in batches so we are not shy of eating leftovers. It's just one of those things that we've come to know that that works best for our family. I love leftover night because yeah, I don't just, have to cook. Exactly. Exactly. We just don't have time to cook every night. So um, Al and I will have our breakfast prepared for the week, our lunch prepared for the week, and we eat healthier that way and spend less money eating out throughout the week, too. So right. that's always always a win. And then Alan will sometimes jump in to help me when he has time um, because he knows how to make plain rice. And we're really big on lunch being maybe plain rice, some grilled veggies, and then some meat, a protein of some sort. And so we try to make it really simple from like Mondays through Thursdays. And then he knows how to boil a ton of eggs. So we'll just boil a ton of eggs because we eat egg whites a lot for breakfast. So Mm -hmm. um, that's one thing we do. And then our kids are responsible for prepping their lunch, their school lunches. So I'll have things that I buy for them. And then they have to either put their sandwiches together. And they're always... um, advised to take a vegetable and a fruit. Just early on, I kind of created this um, list for them of all the vegetables that they will eat and all the ve- all the fruits that they will eat. They're picky when it comes to things like that, but we've come to an understanding of, hey, I know you don't like vegetables, but you've got to pick one or two that you're going to eat and we'll mm-hmm. just buy those, you know? So yeah. um, I just kind of go off of their list that they give me at, at the beginning of the year of these are the vegetables and fruits that mom's mom going to buy and this is what you promised that you'll eat. Um, so they pack that um, with their lunch. And so, I think that's great though, because then they're choosing it. I right. mean, within your right. within your mama sovereignty, right. <laughs> they're choosing. And you don't, you don't ever know where the the throwing it away when they're at school, you know, but hopefully right. because they've made the choice and they know how good it's for them. And, you know, it's just eating healthy that they'll just go ahead and do it. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of what we try and do. And then they fold their clothes after laundry's done. I'll, I'll turn on the laundry, all of that. And then they fold their clothes up and put them on hangers. And I started that a few years ago. It wasn't perfect, but now they're getting really good at it. And for me, it was easier for me to teach the clothes thing first rather than teach them to help me in the kitchen because when things get sticky and messy, I get annoyed with that because I'm a little bit of a clean freak or germaphobe too. Again, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One weekend when I was gone, their dad put on TV for them while they were doing laundry. And now it's like this thing that they they always ask me whether they can watch TV while doing laundry. But I've had to set some boundaries with that in the sense that I give them a time frame because I've noticed that they'll have TV on and 10 minutes later, they are holding up the same piece of underwear, you know? (laughs) So I'm like, okay, 30 minutes only. And then after the 30 minutes, you're still going to have to finish up your laundry, whatever didn't get done during the show. So 
that's kind of the compromise that we came to. I like the incentive. You're yeah. Right. And then um, they also prep their clothes. And this is something that we actually started recently. We saw some of our friends do that where you can on Amazon, you can buy the whole Sunday through Saturday, these kind of like cubbies. Yeah, like the little bins. And you just hang it in their closet. Yep. And so they, they get to prep their clothes so that way they don't have to think about it the morning of. And so they're ready for the week. So just little things like that that we've kind of put together for them. So um, it just helps us. And then I know like on Mondays we have life group. And on Mondays we just make it a point that it's always going to be a mac and cheese night for them because we have kids separate. Mm-hmm. And so it's just an easy way. So I don't have to run by Chick-fil-A every single time or, you know, and they enjoy, mm-hmm. I'll cut up some grilled chicken sometimes or veggies and put it in there. And there's a specific mac and cheese that they like this, a certain type. It's called hatch green chili mac and cheese. And it's actually really good, mm-hmm. but I don't give them mac and cheese for their lunches or any other day of the week. And so they know when it's life group day that they can look forward to it. So that's super special for them too. So that's fun. I like that. Yeah. All right. Well, this is the messy table where we intentionally dive into some of the not perfect, but still vital part of our lives. So for you, whether it's been a season or just one specific thing, when has life gotten messy, but God has still been there working in your mess? Oh, wow. Um, I know that's kind of a big question. I am going to start with this year, honestly. This year, we've just had a a tough year. It's just been our parents getting older, really. And in addition to that, them just facing a lot of challenges in their health. And so last year, the end of last year, my dad, he got pneumonia while he was here visiting us, which was unfortunate. And his immune system's pretty low anyways, because he struggled with Parkinson's since he was about 57 years old. That was something while we were growing up that we were we were watching him struggle um, and we didn't know what it was. We initially thought it was maybe a mild stroke or something like that. And then later on confirmed that it was actually Parkinson's and we didn't really know anything about it. There wasn't anybody in his family at the time that we knew that had it. And so that was really a struggle watching him go through that for years. But last year when he got sick, he was in ICU And he ended up in ICU for a good month, month and a half or so. So early part of this year, getting into this year, we were really concerned and really fearful that he wouldn't be with us much longer. Mm. Um, He got out, but it it obviously played a pretty big toll on his kidneys and all of that. His kidneys weren't functioning. And he's just been through so much in his life that he decided, even though the doctor suggested Um, going for dialysis regularly that he just didn't want to have a part in it. And he didn't want to do that also because he would struggle when he was having dialysis done. It really would take him to a really, a really hard place. Um, He had difficulty, his body had difficulty coping with it, but also mentally um, it was very draining for him and he would get really down and about and he didn't want to feel that way all the time. Yeah. Medicine is a double-edged sword. (laughs) Yes. And so he's just like, nope, however long God's going to keep me here, I just don't want to go through it with it. Um, So we were like, okay, we can't force him. We're just going to let it be. And um, so he came back home, I think about February. And then March, Alan's mom uh, had a severe stroke. And 
that was really hard and because February is she was actually with us here um, in Oklahoma in February she had just left to go back to India because side note Alan is originally from India yes yes and, and his parents were from there yes and his mom lives there yes and so his mom retired um, when we got married in she has a home in India and so Eventually, the plan was she's going to come stay with us as she's getting older, but she just wasn't ready for it. This time around, however, she started feeling more prepared or more ready to stay. And so we were like, okay, we'll just do the paperwork for you to come. And within a year or so, you should be here. No worries. She left in February. And then March, mid-March, she had a severe stroke. She's been always healthy. So we didn't ever see anything coming. And she's a very extroverted social person. So everyone that knows her knows how she's always on the phone talking to people. And, you know, that's just her, how she is. She's very bubbly um, and she loves life. And so one day her being like that and the next day finding out, oh, no, she just had a stroke and we don't know what to do. And and we're here. She's got two kids. Alan's the second and uh, he's got an older sister and both of them are here in Oklahoma. And so she's by herself there. She has um, a brother and, a, and his wife that lives with them um, just to help her out and all of that. But it wasn't it's not us trying to make those decisions for her at that moment. And so that was really hard on us. Um, trying to be in the loop as to what's going on, how to transfer her between hospitals and what's best for her and all of that. And so, I mean, it's been a long ride. Um, we've had a lot of things happen during that time with her. Mm -hmm. And, and so, I mean, not to get into all the details, but this year we've just the four of us and when I say four of us, it's Alan and myself and then his sister and her husband. We've just been taking turns going to India and staying with her, taking care of mom and then coming back. Wow. Um, so that's been hard financially because we I mean, they don't have entrance there. We're covering all the medical expenses as well. And then flying, being away from our family. So I went, I believe, in June if I remember correctly, June or July, we was there for about three weeks. And then Alan flew there. We saw each other for not even a full day. And then he drops me off to the airport. Um, and then he stays for three weeks. So we've been apart for six weeks at the time. And so that was hard on our kids. And we were just wondering, man, how are they going to deal with all of these things? And so it's just exhausting. Mm -hmm. um, it really has been exhausting. And it's been also just sad, just sad to think that you feel like you've kind of lost your parent. And I don't even know how to explain it because, you know, you're used to talking to them all the time. And all of a sudden it's like, mm -hmm. oh, you can't even communicate because she can't communicate. She can't do anything on her own. Um, even now, like months later, she's not able to talk to us. Mm, that's so hard. She has a couple of words in her vocabulary. So it's like you're losing somebody overnight. That's really what it feels like. So that's been really tough for our family. And then in the middle of all this, my dad has issues again and again. Um, so he was admitted again to the ICU. And then just recently, actually last week, he was admitted again to the hospital. It's just like, really? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Just a roller coaster. It, it mm -hmm. has. Like as soon as you think, man, I could just breathe a little bit, um, something else keeps happening. So it seems to be just colliding this year for us. Um, and it's been... It's really been challenging. In the middle of that, um, in April, after like March, we found out she had a stroke. In April, I went for 
my hearing checkup again in just to give you some backstory about two years ago or so I went uh, to get my ears checked because I'm like, man, I've been having struggles just hearing what people are saying um, sometimes. And I'll keep asking questions of, okay, what did you say? And I'll see, I'll hear part of it, but sometimes it's out of context and I couldn't understand why. Mm-hmm. And so they did say that I had some hearing loss and it's really in the higher pitched um, range to where it could be just certain consonants that I don't hear. An example would be like if somebody's talking about a bat, I could hear it as back or cat or, you know, so I get part of it. And so what my brain's doing is it'll create based on what I'm hearing, it'll create what that word is that I think it is. And so I didn't think it was that big of an issue until some people brought it to my attention of, no, you're really not hearing it right. That's not what I said, you know? Hmm. I'm just like, yeah, but that's definitely what I heard, you know, and it could be just like one letter off, but that letter is a pretty big deal when it's, it's like, yeah. you know. <laughs> For sure. So, so did you notice first or other people notice first? I think other people notice, like especially Alan and the kids started mm-hmm. noticing it more than me. And it's usually, it's not really, um, it's not really an issue when it's a one-on-one conversation as much. And if somebody's sitting close to me, but if that one-on-one conversation is in a restaurant or in a team meeting and there's background noise or there's a music playing, then there's a problem. That's when I have issues. Like I have to lean in mm-hmm. and then I just feel awkward because I'm like, oh, I hate, I hate asking you to repeat a joke because then that joke's like, not a joke anymore. <laughs> it's like, not funny anymore. Yes. So I uh, just kind of go along with it. And I'll smile and people think I got it, but I, I really didn't. And so yeah. it was just starting to really bother me. Um, so I got hearing aids. It was really embarrassing for me at the point because I'm like, man, I'm only in my 30s and here I am. I have hearing aids and I don't want anybody to see and this and that. Hmm. But a couple of cool things with that, and I'll go into this a little bit later if we get the opportunity about my littlest. My baby is adopted, and she has microtia. And microtia is really this um, this diagnosis where you don't have an ear or hearing on one side of the ear. You just have like a mm-hmm. skin tag or something. Um, and she doesn't have an ear on one side of her head. And so she has to wear hearing aids and so it's a headband. And so when she looks at my hearing aids, she says, mom, are you wearing your headbands too? And Aww. I'm like, yes, I am. You know, so. Okay. That's precious. Yeah. So it's just been one of those things. Like I'm able to empathize with her more and, right. you know, it's just one of those things like God's just really helped me see some of the joys in it in knowing that, you know what, you can relate to your daughter now, you know, and you guys no can kidding. talk about yeah, all of you these can things. understand her in a yes, different way. Yes. And so that's been really neat. But in April of this year, I went back for a checkup because I wasn't wearing my hearing aids only because I was just sensing like I really was still having issues. I wasn't seeing a difference at all. And I'm like, Mm. why did I waste that much money and that much time going through all of this when I still have issues? And I was just so sad that day to find out that they think that I have hidden hearing loss and hidden hearing loss really doesn't have any treatment. And a lot of times on the audiogram, it shows up as normal hearing, like you don't have any problems. Really? But yes. Hidden hearing loss. I've never even heard of that. And they don't really have a treatment for it because they're not sure how to treat it because it comes out normal 
um, in most cases. And so, and it, it really does describe what I was feeling as far as man in with background noise of any kind, it's really hard for me to understand speech. And it's not that I'm not hearing you. I can hear my brain is just interpreting what I heard into something else. And it's just damage to the nerve cells instead of the hair cells. And so typically they're Mm -hmm. talking about the hair cells when they're talking about hearing loss, but inside your nerve cells are also damaged. And that's the part where it's really hard for them to figure out whether something's going on. So hidden hearing loss is a lot of times underdiagnosed because of that. And so just to get the news of, hey, I think you may have hidden hearing loss and there's really nothing we could do about that. Mm. And a lot of times this is going to... Yeah, that's frustrating. It is frustrating. And a lot of times this is going to lead to severe hearing loss later on in life. And and of course, it's going gonna, it's gonna to result in less brain functioning. I don't know what all they told me that day. And I'm like, oh my word, really? Mm. So... In the middle of everything else you have yes. going on. So that was just really tough and... I got into this slump um, Mm. and I've realized like this year when I got into the slump, it was a reminder for me of the first time I had a really down and out situation where it's really difficult for me to get out of where I was anxious, but I didn't know why I was anxious. And there was really some stress factors involved um, that I just couldn't control. And I am a control freak. Mm -hmm. so when there was things out of my control I get into this place where I was just really sad and and really upset and I couldn't understand why and the first time it happened it was about I want to say about three years ago where we were going through the adoption process um, and we had some challenges I want to say it was three it could have been maybe three and a half years ago or four years ago but we were going through some challenges with with our adoption Work was really tough during that time. Then we had some family issues that we were really, that we were dealing with. Everything kind of collided into this perfect storm that I would just cry and cry and cry and cry and be sad Mm -hmm. and upset and mad and frustrated. And I did not know why. And Alan would say, yeah, but we're going through all of these things. And that's probably why. And I'm like, no, because I have high stress tolerance, you know. I can deal with this and more. What are you talking about? And I didn't see any of these things as an issue because in my mind, I'm like, "Mm, I can handle all of this, you know, Mm. but my body and my mind were already reacting differently to all of those things that I couldn't control. And I just didn't know that. So I went and got checked up um, because I thought maybe it's a thyroid issue. I've heard so many people that have thyroid issues and it can affect your hormones and all of this stuff. And so I went to my doctor, um, got checked up and she did say one thing. She's just like, man, you have a vitamin D deficiency. So that could definitely be affecting your, your mood. But on the other hand, I really think with all the things that you guys are going through during the season, you are actually experiencing mild depression and I was like no Hmm. no not me (laughs) um Hmm. because I you know I know how to to handle things and in my stigma of those people that go through depression um you know like I have a different view of how they are maybe other things that happened in their childhood maybe you know like there's so many things about depression that people talk about that I was just like it can't be me because I've always been this happy person and my life's been pretty great and even though our family's gone through challenges you know 
I have Mm -hmm. a good relationship with Christ and I've got my prayer life going and I've got this going and I've got that going. And so I just Mm -hmm. never... And you probably just didn't want to be labeled either. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't want that label on me. And when I was going through that at that point, and mind you, it was weeks and weeks and weeks. It was, it was really a season for me. And, um, Alan gave me the ultimatum of, Hey, you need to tell your boss what's happening or I'm going to tell your boss. And so, Mm. um, (laughs) that's a loving hubby right there. (laughs) And so that's when I was just like, I want to kick him. Right. Right. What are you talking about? This is my personal thing. And I'm an introvert. I'm a very high introvert. And so it is very uncomfortable for me to talk about things unless I'm asked. Now, if you ask me a specific question, I will answer and I won't hide. I'll definitely answer the question. But if you don't ask me specific questions, Mm -hmm. I won't ask because I don't want to bother you with all the details. And I don't want to, you know, I'm like, why? It's my life and it's not that big of a deal, you know, whatever. And so I won't really share anything unless I'm, you know, I'm asked to share about something in particular. And so... Being that way, I mean, obviously my boss didn't know what was going on. He was just like, how are you feeling? I'm like, um, I could be better. I think I just need to spend more time to myself or, you know, I, you know, I'll just say like random things like that. So I really opened up and told him that I was really struggling. I didn't know what was going on. And so, um, it was honestly at that, at that point, I felt like, man, I felt a little defeated but I realized that, man, I need to change some things um, during that season. I needed to be open, talk to people about it. But Alan was really cool in really just helping me figure some of those things out. So he took the kids on a weekend, you know, um, up to his sister's place in Tulsa. And I said, I just need the weekend to myself. And he was just like, you just tell me what you need. And I mean, if it's to go see somebody, we could do that. If it, you know, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you tell me what would make things better. And for me, me being that introvert that I am, I really needed that weekend alone to myself. And I needed just some time to just cry out and just vent and just tell God how, how I, it was all out of my control and I just couldn't do anything about so many things. And I was in pain and I was hurting in so many different mm-hmm. ways. And so I needed that time because I don't do that in front of my kids either. Mm-hmm. So for me, having a house and really just meditating on God, taking my vitamin D too. Um, yes, yes, sunshine, yes. vitamin D. <laughs> you don't realize how important it is unless, uh, you know, oh, until man. you don't see the sun for a while. <laughs> until February and you're depressed and you're for like, real. oh my gosh. <laughs> um, but there has been some scripture that God's just really spoken through to me during that time. It was Psalm 42 and 43. And the specific verses, if if you don't mind me reading that real quick. Yeah, read it, please. uh, The verses that I really enjoyed was, um, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I, when can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. And then the verse that really gets me that kept crying out was, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Well, that verse mm-hmm. is repeated like three times in that psalm. Mm-hmm. And that was my prayer because I didn't know why I was sad. <laughs> so I just kept asking myself, I'm like, why are you downcast? Why are you disturbed? Put your hope in God. So it was me telling myself 
my soul, why are you downcast and why are you so disturbed? You just need to hope in God, regardless of what it is that you're going through. You just need to hope in God and you're going to still praise him because it says I will yet praise him. So I just took some time to even just start praising God. And in verse six is my soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I'll remember you. And so in just really feeling like the psalm was about me, I just internalized it and said, man, my soul is really sad and upset and, and frustrated. And I don't know why, but I'm going to remember you, God, and I'm going to call out all the things I know about you and all the times that you've helped me through things and all the times you've answered prayer and how good you've been. And so really just focusing my attention on God at that moment um, has been really helpful for me. And um, in 43, the chapter 43 says the same thing. I'm just going to go to the altar of God. But why so why my soul are you downcast why are you so disturbed within me and so i've always thought like some of these verses are just so depressing you know but <laughs> when i was going through that time i'm like oh my gosh this is me like it's actually comforting it's comforting because like, somebody's I'm not the only one right yeah. like somebody's going through this and they can't figure it out either why they're so sad inside and why they're so upset inside and this sounds like me cuz i can use this verse why why are you so disturbed. Why? Because we have hope in God. And, um, and so that's been my go-to. So this year when I started feeling a little bit in the dumps about the hitting hair loss and my parents and all of that, I quickly, like I could, you know, really just see the flags of me getting to that Mm -hmm. place. And since it's Mm -hmm. happened multiple times, like it's happened about maybe three times so far, three to four times that when I felt that, I quickly turn to these Psalms and just take a moment to myself. And sometimes I'll even tell Alan, babe, can you just take the kids out? I just need a day to myself. Or I know earlier this year, I just took a day off from work and sat at home and just had my time alone. And I know for some people that's not, that's probably hard to do and it's difficult, but I do know like we just got to kind of find what we need because if we're not healthy, it's hard to help our family and, you know, do our jobs and all of that stuff. So it's important to take care of ourselves. And I'm one that's not very good at taking care of myself. And so I've just noticed that I just need some of that sometimes. So mm-hmm. yeah. oh, that's so good. Well, I think just even the the thought of preaching to ourselves is so vital because there's so many great podcasts and sermons and, you know, it's great to go to church and get filled up. But you know, we're with ourselves 24 hours a day, right. seven days a week, and I need a lot more encouragement because life is just hard. And so I think developing the habit of preaching to ourselves is so key. At least it's right. huge for me. I have to preach to myself all the time. I'm like, I do not feel this way. I do not feel loved. I do not feel forgiven. Right. I do not feel free at this moment. But going back to scripture and saying, okay, but what is what does God say I am? And then allowing the word to inform my feelings. And I just want to know also that, like you said, depression, you know, can come in all shapes and sizes. And I'm sure that many women listening have dealt with or are still struggling through depression. Yep. There's there's situational depression, there's clinical depression. And, you know, I just want to mention that, of course, 
counseling and medication can yes. absolutely be helpful and yes. often are necessary in many cases. And so yes. we're not at all saying don't do that. Oh, no, but I not do at all. think that there's the spiritual side that's often way too overlooked as well. And so I love that you notice some of these red flags and some of these triggers and you're saying, okay, what can I do on my end of things? Okay, get some vitamin D, get checked out, get away. You're an introvert. You know you need that alone time. Just seek God, cry out to God, you know, let his word refresh you. And so I think it's all of the above. Yep. It's not just treat the body and not the soul right. and the mind. And also you can't just and slap get help. Right. You can't just slap a Bible verse on it and wonder why things aren't improving. So right. right. Get help regardless of what that looks like. You know, it's gonna look like just like you said, it looks different for different people. And we're mm-hmm. we're not saying one is better than the other or anything. I think it depends on your situation. So but I do think that sometimes when we have anxiety or depression or things like that we're afraid to share it and we're afraid to mm-hmm. to mention it to to even because like i said before it's the whole labely thing you just think eh, it'll get better it'll it'll be okay and we all want to be strong right, right. and we don't want to be we don't want to feel weak we don't want to feel helpless and you the truth is you had to ask for help yeah. for your husband to be able to help you in that way take the kids let you have some alone time you had to ask for help in the sense of telling your boss and letting people know at work what was going on and why you're struggling or whatnot. Right, right. So, I mean, it happens to, I mean, a lot of people, it it doesn't matter if you're a Christian, it doesn't matter if, you know, you're a medical expert, it doesn't, you know, it really doesn't matter who you Mm -hmm. are. This is part of life in in that everybody goes through different things and different situations that they can't handle or it's just too much for them. But yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, for sure. And I think that we can probably, every single one of us, be depressed to an extent at different times in our life, you know, whether we're clinically depressed or we're just going through a really hard time. Like life is mm-hmm. hard. Life is not easy. And none of us are immune from the sting of a fallen world. Right. Right. And the cool thing is for this year, I know, you know, the part where I say I was just focusing on what God has done. I know this year sounds pretty depressing for us. So, I mean, to even take it further, we're discharging, we were discharging my mother-in-law from the rehab facility that we had put her in. And this is like maybe the third facility that she's been in. We are discharging her for her to go back home. Um, Her home is in South, um, like in Kerala, it's like the Southern part of India. And they had the worst flooding Mm -hmm. that they've seen in a hundred years. That includes her house. So she's now lost everything at that point. And we're like, how do we take her back home? Because it's flooded. And um, we were like, this is like a nightmare. And she she is living the life of Job. So if you know the story of Job in the Bible where he loses his health, he loses his family, he loses, you know, he just kept losing things over and wow. over. And we're just like, man, she. it sounds like a modern day Job situation where she just lost her health. Now she's losing everything she's worked really hard for in her house. Like she's just, that, that was what she had left, you know? We haven't told her, obviously, because we're just like, we don't know how much she understands or comprehends, but we had to move her somewhere. So we moved her to her sister's place up north. She's there up until the end of October. And then we have no idea what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And I know you were telling me, because I was asking, can she just move here? 
Well, we applied for her green card last December, but the process, like it hasn't been approved yet. And so mm-hmm. we're kind of just twiddling our thumbs as to where, and we're hoping and we're praying that it does get approved by the end of mm-hmm. October, which is like, we're thinking about, we're like, man, that's coming up really soon, you know? And so we're just like, if it doesn't get approved, we, we don't know what to do. But the cool thing is every single step of the way, God's just showed us the next step. Mm-hmm. And the entire year he's been doing that. So even when the house was flooded and we were like, okay, what do we do next? You know, um, her niece opened up their house for for her to come stay with them for a little bit. And so it's just like anytime look, we needed a caretaker and we found somebody that decided that they can step in for a little bit. And so it's just like every single step of the way yeah. God has provided. And the coolest thing is we got out of debt. Um, our student loans are all paid off as of March this year. And March is when she got this oh, joke. Cool. And I know Congratulations. that's- Congratulations. Yes, yes. <laughs> I know that's, it, it seems weird of, hey, why are you talking about the debt, you know, and that's great news. Here's the thing. We didn't know she was going to have a stroke and we're paying now for all her medical expenses without going into debt. Mm-hmm. That's a huge yeah. thing because we wouldn't have been able to do that. And so just seeing God already work in advance for us and how he's kind of lined things up has still, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's really just showing his faithfulness in every step of the way. And we're constantly having to remind ourselves, okay, where were we five months yeah. ago? Where were we four months ago? I was going to say, yeah, I think that's such a big deal though. I love that you brought that up that sometimes we need to look back to see God's faithfulness yeah. because sometimes looking forward, actually almost always looking forward, there's unknown, there's things that we're scared about, there's things we're fearful about, and we just don't know how it's going to turn out. But when we look back, we're like, okay, God, you totally showed up and showed off and worked through the mess, you know, every step of the way. And so sometimes we have to look back at that and remind ourselves, well, you're the same God going forward. And so we're going to depend on you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's been, (laughs) that's been uh, some messiness in our life this year Mm -hmm. anyways. Well, if we can real quick, I want to go back to adoption. You mentioned it. So two questions. What made you decide to pursue adoption in the first place? Because your first two kids, a girl and a boy, are biological. And then you pursued adoption. And then also, what made you want to adopt from India? Um, So when we were thinking about getting married, Alan and I both um, really had just this heart for adoption. Um, and it was it was something that God just put on our heart even before uh, we knew that we were even going to get married to each other. <laughs> Which, by the way, you have the funnest story of meeting and getting married. But, you know, I don't know if we have time to go into that now. Um, give us the quick version. I, I will. Give I will. us the okay, quick version. I'll give you, I'll give you a quick version. Um, we met through... It's, I mean, I was singing on a video and he saw the video. That's really the short. But you were in New York. New York? No, I were was here. I was here in Oklahoma. You were here in Oklahoma. Okay. Um, so it, you were in Oklahoma and he was in... He was in Bahrain in the Middle East. And um, one of his friends got married to a friend of mine. His his friend was studying here in Oklahoma and he got married to a friend of mine and I was a bridesmaid at her wedding and I also sang a song with her sister. And that videotape, um, it was videotape back in the day. It was VHS tapes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, That went all the way over there. And they basically um, had a whole group of people there watching his wedding, you know, because they couldn't be a part of it. So they were watching his his wedding. And it was 
I think it, I'm pretty sure it was in, in Alan's house that they were watching it. And so Alan walks in and he sees it and he's just like, who's that girl singing? Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> that's like the shortened, shortened version. At that time, he did not have a relationship with Christ, but definitely through some events in his life, he came to know Christ. His um, That was in 1997 and his dad passed away in a car accident in 1999 he came to know Christ in 2000 and give his life to Christ in 2000. And the end of 2000, we started emailing each other. And so, yeah, after a lot of phone calls and emails, we got married in 2004. So about seven yeah. years from the from the video. <laughs> so basically, God has been using technology in your lives yes. forever. And he continues to do so. <laughs> yes. Isn't that wild? Isn't that wild? <laughs> So funny. Okay, adoption. We'll go back. Yeah, it's just really been something that's been on our heart. And after we had Michaela, we looked into adoption. And initially, we just had just very little knowledge about adoption. The only thing that we were focused on was that we wanted a short time frame. And we really wanted an infant. And we wanted a closed adoption and we didn't know much about open adoptions, but most international adoptions are closed. So we figured that may be the best route for us. Um, in the first country we had applied to seemed really promising until they found out we were of East Indian ethnicity. So once they figured that piece out, after seeing a picture of us, those doors were closed pretty quickly. Oh, wow. And and they just sh- shut it down? They just shut it down. They they just weren't very comfortable with one of their children being an in, raised in an Indian home. Oh, man. Um, yeah. So we weren't sure what to do at that point because we had never even come across, you know, that, that hadn't re- ever crossed our mind that that would even be a problem or mm-hmm. an issue. Mm-hmm. And our agency didn't know how to prepare us for it because they hadn't really gone through that as well because they're dealing with different countries. And it's whatever the country comes back and says they really can't do anything about it because mm. it's it's governments that speak into the process, right? So then Levi came along and we just waited and prayed as to what God had in mind. And we still knew that it was coming. The time was coming. Maybe it was just the wrong timing. And we eventually looked into India. Now, we know there's a huge need in India. So as we were praying through it and just really processing through the information, um, we figured that it's probably just one less hurdle that our child would have to go through because we're of Indian heritage and they're going to have struggles being adopted anyways, but at least they can identify with being Indian like us. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we figured, you know, why not India? So that's kind of how we went to, went to get Gabby from India. Mm. What have been some of the joys and challenges that you face bringing her home? Oh, man. That's a whole nother podcast. Yes. Adoption is hard. The whole process is hard, you know, from finances to to just bad news to, I mean, we experienced a little bit of everything at that point. Like we were actually referred to another child and then there was issues with that case and then we lost that child. Um, so that was really devastating. And then we, I mean, the whole process with the adoption from start to finish took us three and a half years and that really shouldn't have been the case, but it did. And it's, so it was long, it was grueling. And then once we got her, it was just attachment things, things that we didn't know, things that we had to go for counseling with. And of course she has um, a special need. So it was the first year was a lot of different doctors from an ENT to an otologist, to a speech therapist to, I mean, it was nonstop things um, that we had to just overcome and in the middle of that counseling because we were like, 
we're not sure she's really attaching well because sometimes she it seems like she's attaching great and then other times she picks other people over her parents and we're like that that doesn't seem normal Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know that seems a little odd and so yeah a, a lot of learning um, even now, a lot of learning, but we've come such a long way, such a long ways. Mm-hmm. She is a hoot. She is the boss in our family. <laughs> um, she runs this place. She has such a huge sense of humor that it took us a while to figure it out. And cause she'll just start laughing and she's just like, I'm so funny. <laughs> so, she's adorable. She used to, yeah. She used to say it all the time. Like I'm just I was funny, mommy. And so it's really been a blast. And it's been, I mean, every time we even look at her, we're just thankful. We're thankful that we were obedient. We, we're thankful that God blessed us with her and not another child in the sense that he knows exactly who we needed. Yeah. Um, and so it was. it's never an accident, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, children are a gift from God and it's never an accident who he pairs us up with. And, and so we just see things in her that we're like, man, she is going to be a CEO one day. Um, we already know she'll boss everyone around. She tells you what to do. I'm kind of a fan of bossy girls. You know what? I I would rather them have a strong will than be super passive and, you know, get ran over. So she's so strong. She's independent. It's just one of those things that we look at her and we're just like, man, she can withstand anything. So even with the special need and even with the issues of, um, adoption, because we, I mean, we don't hide it from her, obviously, of that she's adopted, and we talk about it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just really feel like she can handle it all. Yeah. Like, you know, she just has that spirit. She's a, she has a survivor instinct, and that I know I know that's common in a lot of adopted kids because they they feel like they're like on their own, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, now, how old exactly was she when you brought her home? She was 18 months. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and she didn't know the language, none of that. So, I mean, that obviously has its challenges of 18 months, you're walking and you're talking. Yes. But we don't understand a word you're saying. And we didn't understand her. She didn't understand us. Mm -hmm. And that was really hard, especially for her, because she's trying to communicate, right? And so about the third time she says something you don't understand, oh, man, she was frustrated, Yeah, mad upset and you know and and you can't blame her right absolutely Uh oh my gosh yeah well I feel like and tell me if I'm wrong but I remember when wasn't it Gabby when she turned one but she was still oh did you guys already know you were going to get her but she wasn't in your arms yet or am I totally making this up yeah she had we we got her referral right around between six to eight months so we knew when she was six to eight months we knew that we were gonna get okay i i have this memory of like you talking about her birthday and she's turning one and we wish we were with her type of thing yes yes we did miss a birthday with her we missed her first birthday yeah well obviously she's a huge blessing to you guys and you're a huge blessing to her as well. So it's cool to see kind of just even God's story playing out in that, how, you know, we are adopted as sons and daughters of God for those of us who believe in Jesus. And so it's, it's neat to see that I think in the picture of adoption. Yes. So if there's one thing you might want to share with others who are possibly considering adoption, what would that be? If there's one thing, um, I would really talk about how it's the best decision we've made as a family. Um, We are an adoptive family and we're proud of it. If God's really impressing it on your heart, 
Don't be afraid. If he guides you to it, he's going to provide for you. He'll give you the finances, the strength, the grace, everything you need in order to go through the process and to take care of your child. And you may walk into it thinking that you're doing it to save a child, but you have no idea how much God's going to use that process and the child to shape mm. you and your family into who he wants you to be. Yeah. And um, like I said before, he knew we needed her. And just like anything else in life, God uses our situations to shape us. And um, she, our family honestly wouldn't be complete without her. Mm. And so we definitely think it's worth it. And it, it's just a rewarding experience. And I, I do want to quickly say that I don't want to paint a picture that everything is going to be happy-go-lucky, everything's going to be a success. And I also know that there's struggles, there, there's families that are struggling with their adopted child. And it doesn't even have to be an adopted child. It's just a, a child that's difficult. It could be a biological child that's difficult for you. And I just want to encourage you all just to find community. I know when we were struggling with certain situations with Gabby, it was just seeking help, finding community, um, getting plugged into our church community, asking for prayer, getting resources, um, all of that's so important. And taking time to build a strong marriage is important and being rooted in your faith is important because it can really take a toll on families when you don't know how to deal with children or you don't know how to deal with certain situations. So I would encourage those people just to reach out. Um, Sometimes we hear horror stories, but for every story like that, there's countless other stories that are just amazing, incredible stories that we don't hear about. And so I do want to highlight that too, because people sometimes just dwell on those negative and not see the full picture of what adoption's all about. Mm -hmm. And so um, if it's for your family, you definitely will know. And uh, if your spouse is not on board with it, then maybe it's not for you all. Because I do think that just like any decision, any big decision in the family, God's going to make it clear to both of you That's good. Um, that this is for your family. So mm-hmm. that's really good. So I'm hearing you saying that it's messy, basically. <laughs> yes. But so is everything else in life. That's right? what I was going to say, whether it's biological children or adoptive children. And I love how you said it's hard, but it's so worth it. That's so good. Thanks for that encouragement. Yes. So through all of these messes, through all the good times and the hard times, what compels you to keep going, to keep pressing into God? Obviously, you're following Jesus and and telling others about Him. What keeps you headed in that direction? What keeps me going? Honestly, it's, it's a purpose. God gives me a purpose. So I'm sure most people feel this way. Like when you wake up, you don't want to just wake up, do the same things over and over and over again, you know, um, at least I feel that way. I, I want to do something bigger, something like just to know that my life is meant for something great and that has meaning. And that's what God does for me. He gives me a reason to live. He gives me the purpose, the drive to be able to know that, you know what, there's something beyond this life. And that's what I'm called to do is to tell people about that and to tell people that there's really nothing bigger than a relationship with Christ. Cause all of this stuff It's really temporary. And um, to know that we get to do that. So that's big. It gives my life purpose. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, before we wrap up, do you have any favorite resources, things that have helped you, inspired you, encouraged you, just something you would love and want to recommend to us? Man, um, there's been a ton of different things. So 
Obviously, working at Life Church, I mean, I am more exposed to things that come out of Life Church. So the Life Church and Sisters blogs are great. Craig's Leadership Podcast is great. Um, because we're focused on self-development and team development a lot at work, those are the things that we focus on so much that I personally don't listen to a whole lot outside of work mm-hmm. or read a whole lot outside of work. I am a sucker for sometimes just fluff reading. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like, uh, your nameless Christian romance, yeah. <laughs> some crazy, you know, things like that. And I, I don't even have anybody in particular. It's just so I can just relax a little bit. But I do remember when we were going, we're, we were going headstrong and just paying off our student loans. I listened to Dave Ramsey a lot. And so mm-hmm. it was just the season that we're in. I've enjoyed um, Breathe by Priscilla Shire. God Has a Name by John Mark Comer. I enjoyed one of the pastor's wives books that we read all read together, The Sacred Privilege by Kate Warren. That was a really mm-hmm. good one for me. Um, but if I'm being completely honest, if I can finish my Bible reading every day, I consider it a win. That's right. And, <laughs> and that's the most I important. The, yes, that's the most important. So that's my priority. I do the Bible in a year plan. Um, because I really enjoy Nikki Gumbel mm-hmm. and his devotions are super spot on for me. It takes a good 20 to 30 minutes to complete. And that's apart from any prayer time that you may have. So I have to sometimes break it up and listen to it on my drive to work and or when I'm working out in the morning. But I like I said before, I'm also a foodie. So I like food blogs like Food Fashion Party and Wife Mama Foodie. Like I will look at recipes and, you know, things of that sort, too. But mm. that's kind of a little bit about me. I don't follow any one person all the time. Like I, I like the messy podcast because it's different people mm-hmm. as well. It, for different season, I, seasons, I just look up different things. So that's just how I am. Cool. That's great. Well, do you have one final word of encouragement that you could leave us with as we go about our week? Oh, man. Um, I would say the biggest piece of encouragement that I have is be the best that you can be. So, I, I mean, I've honestly, I've struggled with this a lot because, you know, there were times I wish I was an extrovert and there was times I wish I did cool parties like this person or I wish I dressed like this person and I've just realized you know man I'm the best mom for my kids I'm the best wife for my hubby now can I be better absolutely but I know God only made one of me and I don't have to strive so much to be like somebody else Mm -hmm. because I really believe when we strive to be like someone else we're essentially telling God that he didn't do the best job in creating us and Mm, we just undermined his handiwork you know yeah um and if there's people like me, I, you're probably in the same sense, in the same place where you may get overwhelmed by a number of people that have tips and suggestions and best practices. And sometimes I feel like I, I love it all, but I feel like I can't do it all. And even if you're hearing me right now and you may not be able to do some things the way I do it and your lifestyle works differently and your family works differently and you have a better way, that's perfectly fine. Because I feel like sometimes we falsely believe that other people are experts just because they talk about things openly or they seem like they have it all together. <laughs> that's and that's so not true. the truth. Uh, We're all experts in some way or another, you know, maybe in how we do our life, you know. Yeah. It can be a fine line where you can sometimes you want to develop and you want to get better. But if you're like me, like, and I'm like you in a way, Jen, where we can be perfectionists, that it's a fine line where you get too many voices speaking to your life and you start feeling defeated. 
and insecure. So my word of advice, be the best that you can be. Stop trying to be someone else because you'll never be them. And God intended you to be you and he only needed one of you and one of me. So that's right. Amen. Be you. That's a good word. Well, Meryl, thanks for being here today and for sharing a piece of your story. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. It was fun. Well, again, we just want to say thank you for taking the time to join us. Remember, you can subscribe for free and check out the conversation notes, links, and resources at jenjewel.com. The Messy Table is also on Instagram, so feel free to jump on there and tag some friends, share the love. I also want to remind you that we work hard to keep this podcast ad-free and ministry-focused. I have a lot of people ask how they can help, and one simple way is simply by going into iTunes and leaving a quick rating and review. I'm not very tech savvy, but this increases visibility, helps other women find encouragement through these honest conversations. And personally, we just love hearing what impacts you and how we can keep making it better. So we hope you have a great week. Remember that yes, life is messy, but God is at work in your mess.